Dave, I didn't even tell you. I um, I, well, I did tell you that I was like, oh, maybe I should, maybe I should shower. So I yeah. took a shower right before the episode, and I was just like, you know, you know, I'm not like, I'm not thinking too much about my outfits right <laughs> wait, now. Wait, wait, but, uh, wait, 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 back up. How many days are you going without showering, brother? Uh, no, I mean, I think that was just like a one one day on, one day off. Yeah. Situation. Okay. 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 Just checking. But I. But the point of the story is that I'm wearing a Gearbuds shirt right now. Ooh, which one? Your white one? The, uh, the white one with the, the little horizontal stripies and the logo over, over my right breast. Dude, I love that. Wait, and let's talk about something we haven't we haven't discussed um, What's that? over the audios is that you shaved your beard off. Oh, God. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. it's uh, you, th- Do I sound any different? Yeah. you Actually, you have less of a muffle uh, around your mouth. You know. It has a severe dip in you, the, about 100, yeah, 110 Yeah, you removed the so dampening, now. I think. Yeah, dude, it fucking sucks. I hate it so much. Luckily, my beard grows quick, so it's yeah. like already starting to come back after. I guess this is day three if you or get four the stubble, now. If you get the stubble, like the shade, you're good to go. You know, like yeah, I've, oh yeah, I've top. got some serious stubble. I'm I'm at the point where it's like fun to play with it, where you just like constantly, you know, you're not supposed to right now. Like yeah. I'm just like constantly touching my chin all the time. Yeah, you got to um, rub it. Like but the, you know, dude. In honestly, the thought. fucking the worst part, and I say this as, as someone who is like horrified to even look at myself in the mirror at this point, the worst part is that I noticed that I definitely have different tan levels on my face. Like where my beard was is way paler than the oh, rest of my face. Interesting. I was wondering about that. Yeah, man. Because I've, I've had a beard since like 2014, I think. I it's yeah I think it, honestly I think this is the, mo- the most bare face I've been in ten years. Wait, um, did you keep alarming. the stash? Because you kept you oh, showed me oh, a picture yeah, with dude. the stash. I definitely kept the stash. You, you look like the guy from Eagles of Death Metal. So I'll I, it, it was pretty much handlebar with some big with some big chops for a minute. Um, that is like every day I've had to look at myself. I've become more <laughs> disgusted with it. You're scaring and yourself. I'm, like, I'm slowly just like raising the the mustache up to sort of like above the lip level. So right. it's it is nowhere near what it was. Like the, both the sideburns and the mustache are, are slowly coming up. I love um, it, dude. Keep. The I don't burns. know if I'm ever gonna. Yeah, they they're almost, they're mostly gone. I mean, I've got a little bit, but it's nowhere near as, you shortened as, them up? as they had been. Oh, I did shorten them sad. up. Yeah, I couldn't look at myself. <laughs> it was alarming and upsetting, uh, and and I yeah, you know, whatever. It's yeah. it, it, it was a decision that people make when they're going through shit. Uh, I I basically you know I could have given myself bangs or shaved my beard, and I went with a with a beard shave. <laughs> It's that's so awesome. weird. I am not a fan. Yeah, that's beard been beard talks 2020. You know what, dudes? Yeah, let's let's kick this motherfucker off. Uh, everybody, just drop a quick f bomb. Episode 54, dude. Gearbuds podcast. It's your buddies. It's, you got Henry, Henry and Dave here, and we've also got ourselves a remote virtual virtual reality guest mr cj chris johnson what's up cj what is up you are you do some you do some things in the music world give give the people a little taste yeah so i think you know in today's music world you have to do quite a few things so i started off uh, as an audio engineer and i still do that i still record bands recording like two records of my neighbors right now um and then i uh, I, I'm a com- film composer is what my main thing is. Um, that's what I've had. Ooh the, la la. Yeah, I've had the most success at and kind of, you know, pushing a path forward. I play in a couple bands. Uh, you actually had one of 
your previous guest Zach Livingston, who did bases for Lakeland. Him and I, yeah, played shout a, out to Zach. Yeah, I love that dude. He's best friend and roommate, and uh, we play in a band together, a death metal band. And then I also just recently in the past year have started doing uh, video work, so camera operating, uh, video editing, all sorts of stuff like that. Dude, hell yeah! I am. Uh, I'm super stoked to get into all that in a little bit. Let's uh, let's get to some segments that we usually do first. Let's just dive right in the old symphony of corrections here. Here's your weekly reminder: cables are tone tubes. Uh, quick update: there, we're actually Dave. You've seen some of the stuff. We're we're finalizing some logos. <laughs> I'm right so now. excited, man. Yeah. Uh, it's it's you know it's been a work in progress because frankly Stingray nor I are, are really super awesome visual artists, but we're doing the best we can with with what we've got. And I, I think it. it's I I don't know I think it's pretty badass uh, where it is right now. Mm-hmm. So that's your weekly tone tubes update. Uh, also CJ, if you were here, I would I would actually be giving you a tone tube at this point, but you're not. So you know <laughs> maybe 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 once the core is up, I'll hand yeah. you a patch cable. This is where we personally great. hand you a tone tube. <laughs> that'll uh, be the that'll be a Remind- forward to. Oh man, me too. Uh, reminder: follow us Instagram, Facebook, uh, subscribe Spotify, Apple Podcast, blah blah blah, blah whatever you know where to find stuff. Uh, also, gearbudspodcast.com. I've been updating the free stuff section where you can go and see. Uh, you know, people are giving away a bunch of gear and plugins and software and all that good stuff on the interwebs right now, and you can check out the up to date list there. Uh, this is where we're doing this episode on Saturday, which is May 2nd, but this is going to come out on Monday, yeah, which is, is a May big, 4th. This is a big one, man. It's big for two reasons. One, let me just say to both of my fellow fucking nerds, may the 4th be with you. May the 4th be with you. <laughs> and also with you. Uh, and then, But also, I think, you know, selfishly for me and me and my buddy Dave here, May 4th is a pretty significant day for us. Yep. Do, why why is that? that this is our one year anniversary one, one year. year anniversary Aww. man podcast i love it what's the what's the one year anniversary gift we're supposed to give each other we can send hand some jobs hand jobs birthday cakes birthday cakes with hand jobs Ooh. In them. i've seen that that part all right now. quick quick question for all three of you what's your favorite kind of cake german german chocolate Ooh. Ooh, nice. You had that you had that lock stock ready to go. He did. I'm, and I'm I saw it yesterday. What do you got, Dave? I gotta say, uh I'm gonna throw a curveball. I'm gonna say carrot cake. I love I love a good carrot Whoa, cake. Yeah, with really? a nice with a buttercream frosting. We got a fucking of narc all here. the cakes that ever cake. Yeah, dude. <laughs> well, you guys don't fuck with carrot cake? I'll try I don't it. Know. I'll get I, back my first you. thought. <laughs> Dude, when my when I think cake, my first thought isn't vegetables. It has I mean, the word vegetables I, I, in the name. I've had I've had carrot cake. I've had some actually very good carrot cake. I don't know, man, but I think I think I'm with CJ. I want something I want something chocolatey and decadent. Are you uh, like a red velvet kind of guy? I you know that was that was I was gonna try to maybe make an argument for red velvet. Hmm, that's good. I do love red velvet. It's so it's so creamy and rich and decadent and. Yeah, you know what? I'm just going to do it. I'm saying red vels. All right. That's the word of the day. <laughs> I like that. That is a good word. Cool. That was a quick little cake tangent we had ourselves there. But also, happy anniversary to us. I'm super stoked. Yeah. Happy Love anniversary to you, CJ, too, thanks man. for being here. Yeah, I'm glad thanks, you could man. share it with us, CJ. That's awesome. Yeah, moving along. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but uh, I've been I've been checking out some, some lessons by some celebrities on the old internet because they're quarantined just like us Mm -hmm. and i have learned well i i'll I'll say i already knew how to play one of these i watched one uh, by uh, mr robbie krieger 
uh, from the doors and he did a little video lesson of how to play roadhouse blues there were a couple little uh couple little tweaks in there that i i definitely wasn't playing correct from my years of playing that riff so that was that was neat but i think the more interesting one was that johnny marr did uh he did a, a lesson how to play headmaster ritual oh shit that's which rad. that was a fun one i'm not, i'm like not the most giant smith fan in the world yeah. but i i really love johnny mars guitar parts and um i never even really thought about it but that song's an open e which is pretty cool uh you know i'm a, I'm a fan of the open tunings um but that was that's that's there's a pretty tough little little nuggets in there that uh you know it's like sort of his own idiosyncrasies of playing to try to do that exactly with my own idiosyncrasies yeah. of playing was like not super easy but that's a fun one i definitely recommend i think it might have been on guitar world but if you know whatever just just go search it on the old youtube yeah uh, johnny marr headmaster ritual lesson uh highly recommend checking that that out you guys have you have you guys done any lessons or anything like that no i um no (laughs) well i've been uh i haven't done any music lessons i don't think i've watched a fair amount of like music documentaries i would say i watched the muscle shoals thing again which was great um and then you know i've just been doing video editing stuff trying to learn how to do some cool animation shit uh yeah, I've been watching a lot of stuff. Have you guys watched The Last Dance at all with the, the, yeah. the Bulls thing? Oh, dude. For sure. Yeah. So this is great. Good. This will be our, our weekly check-in on The Last Dance because we did one last week. So nice. now this is a new segment where the where GearBuds talk we have basketball. a basketball podcast uh, as well. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> so they leaked. Uh, the, I, dude, it's so good. Oh, it's great. They actually, I found a bunch of leaked episodes so it's kind of weird. They still have like a watermark and some of the file names, which is fun for me because I see that you know. Anyways, when I'm scoring movies, bro, no spoilers. Stuff. I don't want. I don't want to yeah, know no what spoilers, happens at the end bro. of the season. No, I don't know how it turned out. <laughs> <laughs> but they're out there if you want to catch up to chapter or episode yeah. eight. I, I saw that. I was debating whether or not to watch that, and I was kind of like, I guess I like the ritual of having something on a Sunday night to like tune into. So oh, dude, that makes I'm like, sense. I'm going to hold out. Yeah, I'm going to hold out. But, I gotta uh, be honest. Now I didn't know about that, yeah. and now I'm, I'm super tempted. But I think I, I'm, I'm gonna have to exercise some self restraint here because I, I, I also have just been loving having something to like. Literally after the episode, I start looking forward to next Sunday again. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm, I, I think I'm gonna maintain that for now. Right, Sweet. Right, those are right. those are a little check in. Uh, love us some last dance around here. Love us some shite down. MJ bulls. was the goat, man. Oh yeah, hell yeah, definitely. Uh, keeping it in Chicago for a minute here. Uh, something else cool that I saw is uh, friends of the show and former guest uh, Scott Lucas from Local H. They're doing a contest right now, or I don't even know if you call it a contest, but basically they, they're make they're sort of crowdsourcing a music video for one of their new songs off their new record, Lifers, that just came out. A little nice. plug there uh, for a song called Hold That Thought. So if you go to like their Facebook or Instagram, uh, you can there's a google drive link and you can submit your own sort of sing-along or uh, however you want to do it kind of just like mouthing the words to the song and they might include you in their music video so that's pretty cool did you see they did some kind of um rooftop empty bottle thing i saw scott post that a picture from that but i didn't quite catch what was going on i'm I'm assuming it it was a recording yeah yeah i i don't know that's that's definitely something to look into too because you know i miss uh i miss that band and i miss the empty bottle so yeah they're legit. Two man. birds. Sweet. I don't know. That was a pretty good. That was a pretty good symphony, though. Let's keep it moving. I'm gonna go to my favorite weekly segment, Dave's Docs. You guys want to hear about a little Dave's Docs? Um, oh, dude, please. Absolutely. We had a quick one this week. So apparently, behind the music, remember VH1 behind the music? 
Oh, they are yes. those hour. I've... Dude, it's perfect. They're like hour long. Um, you know, little wrapped up documentaries about, um, and they're all, you know, legit. They have real guys, you know, from the bands interviewing. And, uh, this one, I watched one on Keith Moon specifically of the who Mooney. And, uh, I know we've talked about the who on here. I mean, huge gear guys. I mean, they had the best gear. I don't think there's a photo where they're playing different guitars on uh, like until like the seventies probably. Right. <laughs> oh Just my God. Seriously. Yeah. Always, always playing new guitars, trashing their drums Trashing Their Instruments, Keith Moon documentary on um, Behind the Music, VH1. It's on YouTube. It's free. And So uh, wait, is it like is it like the original Behind the Music or is this some new thing? No, that that, that no, no. It's like it's like the old one. Like they cut out the commercials and all that and it's oh, shitty quality. Badass. Yeah, dude. It's straight out from the 90s. It's awesome. And anyways. Did you bust out your CRT to watch it? <laughs> yep. You know it, dude. I got one in the closet just waiting for stuff like that. <laughs> You put your flat screen on top of it in the living room. Throw on some some 32-bit Sega Genesis. Get it going, man. Ooh. That's 16-bit. Oh, is that right? Oh, Sega CD. Yeah, 32-bit would be pretty impressive for for Sega back in the day. Sega Saturn, baby. Was it Sega Saturn? Yeah, that was the one. Yes, sir. Um, Yeah, anyways, it was cool, man. It was his whole life. The guy had, like, a lot of mental issues, man. I mean, he was... I kind of equated it to, you know, I think in the 60s when people had problems and they couldn't see psychiatrists and they couldn't see therapists and they couldn't get medication for what they were on. They were just crazy people. And you'd be like, Oh, Mm -hmm. I knew that crazy guy, Keith. He's like this, he's awesome drummer, but you know, he had a lot of problems. So, you know, he died at 31. I mean, that's really crazy to think about. It is. Um, dang. And, uh, you know, but give that guy, you know, did you, what, sorry, I gotta know. Did you do it? Did you do any, uh, did you do any ant whistle gear spotting? Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, Ant Whistle, I like the early. I think I decided that the um, early days of the Who were my favorite Who gear era because they. I'm listening. They played, you know, he had a P bass or jazz bass. Um, he had Telecasters on the other side. And it was just a simple, they were a trio with the singer, you know, just making a lot of fucking noise. Um, so. I mean, you know, we've we've gone through the Who on here. I I love the Who, man. I think they're I'll beat the big they were time. one of the most innovative bands of that era. They I think they looked at the Beatles because, like, if you think about it, they were the same exact time as the Beatles. I bet they looked at them and they're like, "Those guys are fucking pussies. We're gonna fucking do this." <laughs> <laughs> wow, busting out busting out the loaded misogynist language. Look at Dave over here getting yeah, getting rowdy. Episode fifty four here. Fifty four, one year anniversary, guys. Wow. Well, dude, I mean, yeah, I, I look, I'll, I'll stand on the who all day, every day. Yeah. I, I think I, I'll set it before I'll say it again. I think Ant Whistles may be the most underrated band member, not even bass player, just like band member of mm-hmm. all time. His so much of the beef of the who and the who is about the beef. And so much of it is yeah. just Ant Whistle. Agreed. Like, P, you know, Townsend was writing a lot of stuff. Of course, he was dancing around on the top of his guitar stuff, but the thunder of the gods was right. coming from Ant Whistle, man. And, well, and him locking in with Keith Moon's like non fucking hi-hat having ass over there. He's just like tumbling down the stairs all the time and and (laughs) was keeping that shit together man yeah yeah it's so fun to watch and you know cj you could chime in on this but i I think like the who records were mixed like in a way where the bass was very prominent you know like i I feel like of that era you know not a lot of bands were mixing bass the way that those guys did uh sick man well good dave's docs uh thanks for uh thanks for 
keeping it keeping it real i'm gonna di- i'm gonna dive into riff library here talk about uh talk about a record and uh, decided to bust it out this morning that is the 1980 fourth release from the band talking heads called remain in light uh which is honestly I, i'm starting to just kind of go through some of my favorite albums of all time and listen to them sort of in depth and did that a bit, a bit with this one a um, couple interesting things about it that listeners may or may not know uh adrian Ballou played on that record so i think that would have been the first one he did um interestingly they they actually did the main tracking down at compass point in the bahamas where i think they'd done songs about buildings maybe um and uh did all the sort of basic tracking it was the first record where they really made it a band record it had kind of been like david byrne write songs and then the rest of the band add a bunch of shit um and this was the first time where they kind of went in without many ideas and just jammed a bunch they really focused the record on looping and and part of that was really brian eno's influence he came in and had worked with them already but was very very much an active part of the process um they had before that you know and david Byrne had worked on just on uh, my life in the bush of ghosts which is another one of my favorite records and if you haven't checked that out in the past you definitely should um very loop based and super out there and artsy and cool um but the, it's really focused on rhythm um a lot of the songs are kind of like one chord it's which is interesting it's just mm. these sort of like jams and and vibes um mm. And I'll and sort of opposite of last week's riff library uh, at the roots undo from Circle Takes a Square. This one lyrics are like intentionally not very central to the song's meaning. They're they're sort of designed to be more evocative of the sort of vibe and melody and rhythm and percussion going on. Um, so definitely more up my alley in that regard because I never listen to, to lyrics myself. <laughs> Um, I think, you know, the song that most people probably know from that record is Once in a Lifetime. That's probably for sure the biggest hit, um, which is an amazing song that I love very much, um, which uh, I learned that the original name for that, the working title for that song was Weird Guitar Riff Song. Oh. Uh, because it, it, it's it's basically, if you listen to it, two like sort of really weird guitar riffs stacked on top of each other going on. And that was that was another Brian Eno thing. Um Another one more interesting thing I want to mention. So the last song on the record is called "The Overload," and I'd always sort of thought it was like, "Oh, this is this just kind of sounds like Joy Division." It's like this is this is kind of this weird sort of bleak, drawn out song, and it turns out that song was specifically written by the band with the intention of sounding like Joy Division, but none of them had actually ever even heard Joy Division, so Whoa. it was their idea of what they thought Joy Division would sound like wow. if they had ever listened to them. That's and cool. I've got to say, they fucking nailed it. Like it totally <laughs> sounds like it could be it could be a Joy Division song. So no shit. If you haven't before. Give give yourself do yourself a favor. Go check out Remain in Light. Uh, I've got my original pressing. You can find it on Spotify. There are a lot of different ways to listen to it here. Um, badass album by a badass band that I love. Hell very yeah, much. man! Nice one. I like that. Can yeah. I bring up something real quick? Yeah, please, man. please. So Henry, you said that you don't focus on lyrics, correct? Yeah, it's it's weird. I I like I man I despite having been the lyricist and singer for bands a lot and and like it honestly it's probably the last thing i listen to when i listen to music it's it's like drums first percussion and and sort of like uh, production choices then i start kind of listening to the bass and the guitar and then eventually like it's like oh there's the vocal melody and the lyrics and stuff that's great you're a producer too right like that's what you do as well not not professionally but i do certainly produce a lot of music yeah well, that's you know that's just funny to listen to or, or just just to hear because I'm the same way. Like I've never been 
a vocal person like lyrics are you know just something that i could care less about which is why you know some of my favorite music is black metal and death metal and it doesn't bother me because it's just totally. you know it's just a, a rhythmic thing at that point and it's all about the energy but it's just funny like uh even even when i'm recording bands i i'm not really you know they could tell me what the lyrics are for the chorus, but yeah, just start me before this line. And I'm like, I have no clue where that's at. You got to tell me in the format. So it's just good to hear another, you know, person that, <laughs> yeah. that does that records some bands and, and I'm not alone. That's great. <laughs> no, it's, it's a, this is a safe place for us. Uh, lyric, not listeners here for sure. Um, sick, man. Let's, uh, let's keep it moving. We're going to dive into future gear. Got a couple things, uh, just quickly to talk about there. Uh, one, I don't know. I want to know how, what you guys think about this. Uh, there's a new app out from a company. I believe it's called Kovalu. Uh, and the app is called beats and loops. And it's essentially a drum machine and looper for your phone. And the, I guess, sort of selling point is that you control it with your foot. So like you hmm. put your phone on the ground and, and it uses, you know, your phone has a proximity sensor built in so that it turns the screen off when you're actually talking on the phone. Right. However, rarely that happens. Uh, it uses that proximity sensor. So you kind of just like st- hover your foot or kind of like step your foot over the phone when you want to either like turn a drum loop on or off or actually use a looper to like loop what you're playing um, with it. I love that. You love it. All right. Tell me why you love it. Because sometimes you just need to do it, you know, real quick. You just got to get right to it, you know? And it, it sounds okay. like a faster way to be able to hold your guitar, get right to it with your foot rather than like yeah. reaching over, pressing something, you know, starting over. Totally. Sort of thing. Okay. That's fair. Can you step That's on your fair. phone though? Can you crush your phone? Like if you step That's, on That's, well, I, I was going to let you finish. <laughs> and, but honestly, that was, that was my main Cause concern. Cause I get pretty intense like, when I have to hit the looper with my foot, you know, like that's a yeah, pretty good, I don't that's know, pretty hard man. to stop. I've got a, I've got a size uh, thirteen over here that's uh, I'm not I'm not like the most dainty ballet dancer type of yeah. guy like I'm afraid honestly that my stupid clod hopper would smash my phone. <laughs> Is it out? Yeah, I mean they're gonna have to put out you know they're gonna have to put a disclaimer on that. Yeah, yeah we're not exactly. responsible yeah, for we... crushing your phone. Compl- <laughs> completely i don't know but i'll but you're right dave i think the point is that, that you made is valid that like it's faster it's it, it, it's a really fast thing first of all it's only like three dollars and 99 cents cool. so it's it's cheaper than buying a drum machine and a looper and all that stuff but you know of course then that means in order to do that you've got to, if you're going to just use the drum machine aspect of it then you've got a bluetooth connected yeah, bluetooth speaker bluetooth. to hear it yeah and, and to use it as a looper, you have to somehow have the means to interface your guitar or your whatever you're recording with or whatever into the, your yeah, phone. Yeah, then you actually need another phone to record yourself on your phone. Like if you're doing, you oh, know, dude. if you're doing memos. That's some phone phoneception right there. <laughs> Phones inside phones. <laughs> um, it's cool. Uh, well, you, you might be able to use the audio units to be able to, to go to a multi-track. I would, I would yeah. hope, like... Uh, that's, you know, I haven't recorded on an iPad in like four years. I started off on that, but they were having little bits of trials of, of being able to, you know, take different plugins or something like that. And then they would automatically route into oh yeah dude either like Cubasis or Logic or uh, a couple different things. So I imagine they would hopefully at this point have something out for it. You know, I'm excited for the future of 
iPad and, and recording capabilities for sure. Oh, oh I agree. I've, I've actually, I've got, I've gone down pretty far the rabbit hole of audio bus and like routing different apps and audio things into each other on, on iPad. I, I, you know, that's, it's a really good point. I'm not sure. I didn't check to see if it has audio bus implementation. I would have to imagine it does because that's become yeah. the standard for iPhone, iPad music making. But I agree, yeah, man. Honestly, that's the, that's a, that's the same okay. reason I haven't like fully dive, dove, driven, driven into it because <laughs> I don't. It's there is still even though Apple is way better than Android, and I've tried it on both in terms of integration implementation. It's still just way easier doing it on my Mac, so I haven't I haven't really felt the need to. But I I do feel like I kind of agree. I think it's the future, and especially because then you can just like. I don't know, use knobs and faders that have some feedback on the screen rather than just like using your mouse on a mouse pad or trackball or whatever you use. Yeah, I don't know. Check it out. Kovalu Beats and Loops. Uh, The other thing I noticed, I don't know if you guys heard about this. So recently, within the past few days or weeks, the Library of Congress has opened up a whole bunch of music for free use on on, on this website. Um, I think it's called there's an app too it's called citizen dj and essentially there's kind of three ways of using it there's like this sort of really rudimentary front end um interface that you can go on the library of congress website and use and it's and it's mostly designed sort of for like uh hip-hop and loops and, and creating music with loops and that and beats with loops that sort of thing um so you can go in either use their uh sort of like proprietary front end thing and have just like this kind of fun interface or go all the way as far as just having access to all the audio yourself that you can then use and chop up and loop and use however you want um i think it's super cool like to that the the government is is sort of sponsoring this thing to make a whole bunch of free use music out there for, sure. for us to use in our writing and creation and stuff that you you know you don't have to pay for um and then create new new works with it did you find any samples that you liked out of it i i went and i couldn't find anything that i actually really enjoyed I, there was stuff in there that I thought that I could be cool as like a layer. I, you know, I'm not really a, like a hip hop producer necessarily. I, I make I make beats every once in a while, but Makes like that's beats. not my main forte. Um, but I could see in terms of like almost sort of found audio or interstitial stuff. If if maybe you're making a larger work that you want some like sort of little samples to break up, um, I could see being cool. But I yeah, I, I haven't really found anything that. It's sort of game changing for me, but I, I also just sort of chalk that up to not that not really being my kind of usual forte anyways. But it's something that I'd like to I'd like to get good at and spend some time doing. It, it seems it seems pretty rewarding, I guess. Yeah, I haven't done much in the way of that either. Um, but yeah, it's like you had said, there is it's a it's an awesome capability that they're able to. And it's and it is great of them to be able to to upload that stuff so that people can use their creativity and see what can come out of it. You know, there's a lot of talented hip hop producers or people just coming up that are trying to do different things. Uh, myself, I just I fucking hate ragtime and all that stuff. So there's nothing <laughs> to me that I, that I just really cared for. They do have one section I, where it's they they've sort of curated some stuff. Um, because you're right. I mean, there's a ton of material there and it could totally be overwhelming. So maybe that's, that's a good recommendation to maybe start with the, their sort of, they've got like loop packs and and such where it's like, Hey, here's some kind of like world stuff or like broadcast recording. And you know, Hey, Tommy, old Tommy talking people like this that you can use. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) hello, my baby. (laughs) Uh, so yeah, I don't know. Citizen DJ, check it out. I'll put a link somewhere for that shit. 
Uh, all right, that's enough. Uh, enough of those segments. I'm gonna go to one of the newest segments of the show and start digging into CJ a little. We're gonna bit. warm we up on CJ a, a little bit here. A couple two tree randos, <laughs> and this is where Let's I ask you it. a couple two tree questions uh, randomly. So first one is uh, if you could swap places with any band member of any band, past or present, regardless of your skill or theirs or anything like that, who would it be and why? Oh man. Um, I feel it's cheating to say Jimi Hendrix uh, just because that seems like a great point in time <laughs> where music was really changing uh, and he was, you know, just able to do some crazy things that, uh, you know, that wowed the world. But there's no way that I would ever be in a million years anywhere near um, his knees, you know? No, man, I think that that's a great, is. that's a totally valid answer. Yeah. In fact, you're, I think since we've started doing this, you're kind of the first person who's gone that route and yeah. I've been waiting for that because most people have been like, Oh, I don't know. I want to be like the alt percussionist in, in whatever. Santana so I can just sort of be shit, off to yeah. the side. Yeah. Just like experience the <laughs> shit, but not like have the pressure on you. Well, um, and I, I don't know. That, I, you know, I love that. Bring it all. Yeah. On, you went you know? all the way to the top, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i love it that's just, you know one that. of the people that i respect the most yeah. so it's you know why not shoot for that all right cj you there i'm here what's how you up doing, buddy man? i'm doing better than yesterday so far anyways we'll see how <laughs> we'll see how it goes we'll see how it goes well so so to those that aren't the three of us here uh this is this is i've got to say this is a first for GearBuds podcast we are now recording the second part of this episode on the second day we we started this on saturday it's now sunday we'd run into some technical difficulties that sounds like we we're able to sort out uh in the meantime here so you know what let's just dive in cj let's talk about you a little bit my man so i think i think before we uh before we ran into some difficulties yesterday we were about to start getting into a bit of your musical background so could you kind of just give us a quick little walkthrough of, of how you got your started making music in the world and doing that kind of thing yeah, for sure. So um, I wasn't really into music a whole bunch uh, or didn't pay much mind to it until probably around 13, 14 years old. I had gotten a guitar and my dad had played guitar, but he was pretty pretty awful, if I'm going to be honest. And <laughs> uh, it was just one of those things where I picked up somewhat naturally to it. And then I think the selling point, you know, I was thinking about it. Um, I went and saw the Rolling Stones when I was 15 years old. I saw them at Comiskey Park, uh, and just hearing Keith Richards' guitar and 30,000 people screaming, I was like, well, shit, I need to do this. This is what I need to do. You know, I need to be involved in this in some level. And so I just kind of gave up what I was doing and focused a little bit more on playing guitar. Um, And, you know, I just started to progress i was like a a punk kid at first and then eventually just went into metal because i was big into metallica uh so you know i just started pretty much i started everything on the guitar um and then you know i would say 17 18 or so my cousin and i my cousin was a little bit older than i was but he uh he was a drummer, and so him and I lived together, and we played all the time, like every day, all the time. It was, it was crazy. Nice. And so then we started, uh, we formed a band, and we were touring the Midwest a little bit, uh, Wisconsin, Indiana, Illinois, Ohio. We went, to, we got 
paid to go to West Virginia one time, which was pretty fun. Uh, Hell yeah! So it, I got ran out of yeah. West Virginia one time. No shit. <laughs> yeah, that's true funny. story. Hurricane West Virginia, but don't uh, don't let me interrupt you here too much. Uh, so, <laughs> what? Uh, when did you? I know that obviously at a certain point you transitioned into more of the engineering and recording side of things. How'd that happen? You know, it took a long time to do that, actually. So then I moved to Peoria, and I started doing band stuff. One thing that's always been kind of my motto has been to surround myself with better musicians than myself uh, nice. to just keep progressing all the time. That's what I've always wanted to do is just try to keep a foot forward. And so I moved to Peoria because my cousin had moved to Peoria, and we were keeping the band going. And then I ended up meeting um, some of, you know, some of my best friends that I'm still friends with today. Uh, it's going on, you know, 10 plus years. Um, and my buddy, Zach, uh, who you guys have had on the podcast, I met him. We worked at guitar center together. So we formed a band and then we just started playing some more and the same thing where I just surrounded myself with better and better musicians. I moved into a house with a bunch of rock and roll guys. So they would challenge me to just get out of my metal ways uh, and trying to kind of open up the songwriting abilities. Uh, and then I had uh, a buddy that was an insane recording engineer that was a friend, but he always kind of talked me out of doing it. He's like, there's no money in it. Uh, you know, it's, it's bullshit. It's the worst. Um, I'm, you know, I can't, I can't do this for much longer, but he's one of the most talented engineers I've ever met. He's fucking brilliant. He went to Berkeley, but he was just like a negative Nancy. So I didn't yeah, start recording on it hundred percent. And I was like, man, I can't, can't really get into this. Then I guess, you know, and I didn't have money to, to really invest in a recording setup or anything. Uh, so it took seven years until I moved to Chicago. And at that point I had brought Zach with me, norm uh, a close friend of mine's and so we started to kind of record some new stuff uh on an ipad and that was the first thing where i was like okay um i'm gonna try and see you know how how good i can get recording with the ipad and it was fucking terrible it was so bad (laughs) Uh, what were you wait what software were you even using do you remember was it like uh, oh or what so I did GarageBand. I floated with GarageBand, but then for multi-track recording, there is this. There is this app. It starts with an A. I forget what it's called. It's, um, but it was pretty rad. Uh, it was like it was like fifty bucks though, and I spent the money on it just because it had some plugin features that normally you didn't have, and so. Uh, right. it, it was fun to try it and just kind of get into the groove. Of it. And it was mainly like a songwriting tool. But it was just, it was so bad that I was like, all right, I have to figure out how to get better at this. At that point, it put that, you know, itch in my brain that you've got to get better at this. You got to kind of uh, raise the ceiling to like get better at, you know, get a better piece of software and, and, and make it more worthwhile, right? Exactly. It was just one of those things where it takes time to learn it. And, you know, usually when I have something that like I'm, that I don't, uh, that I feel that I should be good at naturally, but I'm just piss poor and terrible at that just lights a fire under my ass to, to, to do something. So that kind of started an obsession with getting into recording. Um, and I went to Harold Washington for like a semester 
Uh, but I was so obsessed with learning stuff on my own that, you know, at the end of the semester, my professor pulled me aside and he's like, yo, like, you're just going to be wasting money here. Like we're having, you know, higher level conversations. Right. Uh, at this point, you know, we were talking about gear and, uh, he was like, I just don't see this being, you know, the the best thing for you to do is just go record, just go record, learn from your mistakes and that's going to be the best way to just keep growing. Uh, and, you know, that's what I did. I just really, I sucked ass for a year and a half, two years of just being a really bad recording engineer. Um, and then, you know, you just, with anything, you get better. Sure. Yeah, man. And, I've, and I mean, I've obviously I've heard some some stuff you've worked on, especially with Dave, and I'd love to kind of just dig into that a little bit. I know that, Dave, you, you guys have, have done some work together in the past. So, oh, like, yeah maybe uh maybe fill me in what was that process like how did you how did you come to work together and and what have you done together yeah i mean well we met through uh what through jim probably or something tom schrader tom schrader that's right yeah which henry you know tom too right ah yeah i used to play in tom schrader's band i was actually just talking to him the other day small world Um, yeah he's yeah we did yeah, that's right, Tom Trader. And then, uh, man, we did. Uh, well, I I did the Meet Three stuff with you, which is still on SoundCloud, by the way. Uh, I think nice. we banged out like I think we banged out like sixteen, fifteen or sixteen songs in like the course of just like I don't know how many days, maybe like five days of recording tops. You know, I think we just banged yeah. out track after track after track, um, and that's with my buddy Russ and my buddy Paul and. Uh, I, yeah, man. Ever since then, I've just been like, you know what I always liked about your style was you you could get great drum tones. Everything you you had to your, you know, within your reach of what all the gear and everything you, you have, you just know how to use it very, very well. You know, it's not like you walk in and there's like a wall of amps and like all this crazy stuff to use. You have the gear that you use. You just know how to use it perfectly. So that's the best way I could describe recording with CJ for sure. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean... I love my studio. It's got its own vibe, but it's not, you know, it's not uh, a fucking Neve board and outboard gear and tons of stuff. You know, I have a style that I like, that I found that I like, mm-hmm. and I just kind of want to cruise with it for this point in time. I mean, getting drum tones to to the point where I was satisfied with them, that was yeah. a whole process in itself, you know? It paid off, man. I mean, the drums that you get up in there sound amazing, dude. I would I would record drums there anytime. Sound perfect. Well, you know, it also has to do with the drummer as well, too, you know? I <laughs> That's true. I can't take too much credit. <laughs> Fair enough. Man, badass. Yeah, and I'll agree from the stuff that I've heard, I feel like the drum tones definitely sort of shine through, and, and I know from my own personal experience how that is easily the most difficult thing to, to do well, so kudos to even to even getting there. Uh, so I know obviously we've talked a little bit too, you, you've kind of transitioned a bit into this songwriting and film composition and, and, and that sort of thing, so how did how did that all come about? So uh, Tom Schrader, again, was a, a person that, you know, kind of put stuff together, but essentially when i was recording bands um i had a buddy that is a filmmaker and he was making a short film and he was like hey you know i i need a couple songs for this movie would you be you know willing to write some cheesy songs it was like totally and so he gave me the movie and i was like hey you know uh 
do you mind if I score this? Like that would, that's kind of something that I'm somewhat interested in, in doing. Uh, I had done some post-production audio on a couple little documentaries, um, to kind of get into that world. And, uh, so when, you know, this came across my lap, I was like, Hey, just let me do some score with it. And I found that I had a knack for it right away. Like timing was something that, you know, I was like, wow, okay. This was, you know, I was proud of what I wrote, right away and you know could see potential in that uh so then i just decided to kind of look into what avenues you know how i could get more into that so i had uh, got some initial software from this company called east west they do mm -hmm. like a monthly subscription service where you can get you know violins cellos brass mm -hmm. instruments all sorts of crazy shits like 30 bucks a month and it's, you know, it, it's good. It's, it's a great place to start out. So I wrote some stuff, um, you know, just to kind of get a palette of what, you know, what I wanted to sound like and what I could sound like. Because I would put a lot of research into, you know, the different string libraries and what that sounded like. And, you know, every asshole that is a composer is doing like this epic orchestral you know, right. stuff. And I was like, well, that's not, that's, you know, that's too hard. That's like not my style at all. So I had to kind of niche out what I was doing. And I'm a big, uh, horror fan, horror and sci-fi and thriller. That's, you know, my main thing. I've been a film buff for a long time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that's pretty much, you know, I, the avenue that I thought would be best. So I made some tracks and then I just started reaching out to different, like uh, student directors. I would go watch a bunch of YouTube shorts and reach out to different directors. And I was kind of hitting a wall there and it was yeah. a little, it was a little bit annoying. Um, but I ended up getting my first kind of like, uh, keep going. Like you, you've got something here moment. I got a message on my SoundCloud. I uploaded some stuff and I got a thing from this guy named Joe Pena, who's a filmmaker and he was like, hey, I really love your stuff. Um, I, you know, I run my own YouTube channel called Mystery Guitar Man. And he's got this YouTube channel where he's a he's a talented instrumentalist himself. He's fucking crazy. But he does some really cool video stuff with it as well. And so he had hit me up and was like, I, you know, because I'm working at YouTube with music stuff, they're letting me pitch uh, to the creators of The Walking Dead um, this pilot that ultimately be, would be Fear of the Walking Dead. Um, mm -hmm. He was going to pitch his, his take on it, so he shot a whole short film and then let me score that. Uh, and it ended up not getting picked up, which kind of sucked, but it was, you know, that was kind of crazy to get you know, someone to reach out to me within the first maybe six months of starting to um, dabble into this film composing stuff. And we still, you know, I still reach out to him now, but he's he ended up doing a film with Mad Milkson um, called Pult, called Arctic. Uh, and then he's doing a movie now with Enid Kendrick and uh, Tone. Who's the, the main character in Hereditary? Oh, Tony Collette. Yeah, Tony Collette. Uh, there's like a space movie th that those two are in, and he's directing that. So cool. Uh, yeah, it's it's cool to like have you know he's obviously like moved on to high budget people now. Like 
it was like Henry Gregerson Williams was like someone that he was talking to. So, you know, eventually, you know, I'll get back to him and I'll reach out to him and I'll st- I still send him like a Christmas card every every year. Be like, <laughs> yeah. hey, buddy, how are you doing? Yeah. yeah. Remember me? Oh, man, you got to maintain <laughs> yeah. those relationships. That's badass, yeah, especially do. someone that's, that's awesome, kind of. Dude lifted you up early on um that's no that's that's amazing i think i think we all need someone like that in our lives sometimes and i'm curious from this sort of you know coming from more of a band and uh i I don't know if you'd call it traditional but sort of more probably familiar to a lot of us and our users listeners this kind of like band music recording thing what kind of what have you noticed is some differences in terms of creating and recording and engineering for film versus just you know a kind of regular old band pro tool session for sure well you know that kind of ties into like the the next part of like the next stage of the film composing career so i started uh recording uh, Tom Schrader and I, uh, Tom Schrader and his ego, I think, is the the band name. Um, I was I was I was formerly a member of his ego, so it wasn't part indeed. of the ego. <laughs> no shit, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, I recorded one of his records, and him and I just got along really, really well. I love Tom Schrader; he's a great dude. Um, have nothing but great things to say about him. And then, so we had, you know, we were working together, and he was doing film stuff a little bit as well. Uh, and he had ended up somehow at the bar that he worked at, this film director named Sonny Mahi, um, was there and they just kind of started shooting the shit and Tom's a super outgoing guy. So he can pretty much talk to anybody and he was like, Oh, you know? Yeah. And he was like, Oh, you know, I'm a film composer. Let, you know, let's work together. I'll, you know, we'll figure out something. And uh, Tom Schrader is not a horror guy at all, though. So Sonny Mall, he is a producer for Bloomhouse Pictures. So he's done, like, he produced The Strangers. Uh, he did the remake of Old Boy, which I won't, for, you know, I'll just forget that that ever happened. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, there's just, like, he's he's a horror guy. And so he was making a horror film, and and Tom was like, "Hey, man, I'm I'm fucking lost. I'm like, what you know, what to do horror wise? I've got mm. these cool sketches of these dark acoustic stuff, you know. Do you, let's work together and score this film." And I was like, "Well, yeah, Bloomhouse is a huge name. I'll be able to use that." Uh, so we started, you know, working together on on the score, and kind of. You know, the major differences between, say, recording a record and then working on a score is, you know, when we were working, we were adding the organic elements, which was like acoustic guitar. We recorded some saw, um, like a a singing saw. Uh, We recorded recorded some crazy organ, um, all sorts of like this organic stuff. And then I just took the elements that I usually work with my computer with plugins from uh, like a company called Output. They're one of my favorite companies to use their software. They've got like, uh, you know, loops and um, synthesizers and all just sorts of crazy um, sounds that you could really layer on top of each other and pulses and generators and stuff. Um, so we we kind of combined those together and it got pretty extensive. Like I've really put my computer, you know, through some stuff. Uh, (laughs) I think, I think the final track count that we were looking at was like 300 tracks. 
Whoa. Um, yeah. For just for just like one of the reels. So it was like total it was probably like you know, seven, eight hundred tracks. Um, Holy shit. Yeah, so it, it was pretty bonkers trying to get that to all finesse and work on the computer without it crashing. Uh, that yeah. was pretty pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, there's different ways that you can go about scoring film. Like some some people are more organic, so they work a lot with synthesizers outside of uh, like outside of a computer no plugins uh or you can you know use acoustic guitar like sometimes i do that stuff and it's fun and it adds its own unique element to it mm-hmm. um but there's just in the workflow of stuff it can get tedious if i'm like you know sometimes if i want to perfect the tempo for a pulse or a rhythm you know i can quantize it easy in in the session so you know, when I've got like 50, 60 tracks and, mm-hmm. you know, you have to just, you're working at a really quick pace to try and get stuff done. It's easier to just use some of the stuff at this point, some of the stuff in, uh, in the computer, you know, plugins and synths that are, that are soft synths that are in the computer. Totally. Is it, is it hard like to write and, and cause I mean, you, you know, obviously, one small decision could take away from the scene of a movie, right? Like, you know, so is it, is it, do you have that in the back of your mind as you're composing? Like, start really simple and then kind of build on that? Or, or do you see the scene and then you go, okay, this needs like some, you know, rhythmic drums or some kind of, you know, percussion? Like, how do you decide those things? You know, it, uh, it changes every film. Um, yeah. usually it, it always starts with a conversation with the director about like what the sure. tone is and you know, what they're thinking. Uh, and that's something too, that you just, as you do it more and more, you start to, to really flex those muscles and understand the emotional connection. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's something that I struggled with for the first little bit. I was like, all right, I'm going to make these fucking badass, you know, beds right. of music and rhythm. Uh, but I would, f- I would not focus on the story. And so sometimes, yeah. you know, uh, it would be too much and I'd have to pull back. So sure. that's on the last film that I did a uh, bigger film. That's where I really started to kind of notice, um, you know, that whole process was really like, super intensive conversations you know i've done a lot of indie stuff uh in the past couple years and it's been amazing um Mm -hmm. and and then i started to once i got the bloom house thing i was able to name drop so then um when i would get bigger projects that would be up for grabs i would email uh email the director reach out to them and then i'd be like hey i did this bloom house movie and they're like oh bloom house that's awesome you know i'm gonna check out your shit and then if you have good stuff uh you know then you're you're up in the running so that's how it worked out for this last film that i last bigger film that i did and is is this that, one that you're referencing is that the one that you shared the uh the trailer yeah, we watched with, with dave the trailer for it looks awesome yeah yeah, it's, are uh, we? Yeah, is that something we can talk about at all, or is that still too like kind of under wraps? No, we can talk about it. Uh, it's cool. I can't really talk about like film festivals that stuff or like you know mm-hmm. purchasing stuff, but um, you know. So there's a film coming out shortly. Yeah, uh, starring Laura Harden, everyone's favorite boss from The Office, Jan, yeah. and uh, it's yeah. called The SHU. Um, so I got D- Dave sent me the trailer. I got to check that out. Super cool, super moody, very 
interesting cinematography and it seems like it's yeah. going to be um sort of this claustrophobic almost kind of um i don't know psychological thriller i you know people can can make those own decisions for themselves but i'm curious if you could talk a little bit about kind of how you approached creating those sorts of moods and and what sort of instrumentation you chose to to try to capture the what you felt needed to happen with with that story well that kind of plays into what dave was saying a little bit you know he was like well how how do you sit with this? So, right. you know, I got a temp track. Um, usually every movie that I get, I try to actually request it so that I can get the emotional content of what they're going for. So it's got some sort of bed of music of tone that they want. Right. Mm-hmm. And so this one had a lot of Mr. Robot, which is one of my favorite shows of all time. I absolutely love Mr. Robot. Highly recommended yeah. to anybody. Um, but it had that, and then it had Hereditary, which is also a outstanding horror film. Um, oh, yeah. And it had Mandy, which I don't know if... <laughs> uh, is, there I don't a, know. Uh, is there a jet flying by someone's home currently? Dude, or? <laughs> sorry, a, a moped just went full, screaming down Milwaukee Avenue. I apologize for that. <laughs> it's like a lawnmower. Um, but... Yeah, so that one, it was interesting uh, because it takes place in solitary confinement and essentially, you know, the the main character, Edie Gathigi, um, he is a, he's a doctor that was wrong, you know, he wrongfully convicted of murdering his wife, who is uh, Angela from Westworld, Clementine from Westworld, which is awesome because she's... A, such a babe and i was like when i found out she was in this i was like why is this rad <laughs> um so it's you know you kind of start to he's pleading his innocence but eventually you know things start to happen where you're like well is he innocent you know he starts to lose his mind because he's in solitary right. confinement and so a lot of that was you know i would take one direction and then you know even with the temp music and it would still be just a bit off from what the director wanted. So then I'd have to go back and rework it. Um, it took us much longer than I thought it would have, honestly. Like, it took us, like, five months to score this thing. Um, cause, and it was, like, working almost every single day on it. Uh, I, w- I was very, very glad when it was over. You know, it was a, it was a feat of strength for sure. Labor of sure. love um, a little hate, maybe. Totally, totally. And, but it was, you know, it was a challenge to figure out moment to moment things change so quickly because he's starting to lose his mind. He'll have like a glimmer of hope and then it'll turn real quick to something dark. Um, it's, you know, it's tough to explain without, I guess, just watching it. But it, yeah, you know, right. if you think about being in a room, losing your mind, as we all kind of are at this point, you know, being locked totally. in our houses, you know, there's a lot of emotions that are going on and stuff changes so quickly. You know, your mood can shift so much. So it was interesting to try and put a soundtrack to that. Um, Yeah. Man, that sounds like a really just rewarding and challenging and frankly, just fascinating process. And uh, I think, you know, that's, that's something that probably a lot of people are interested in. So do you have any, 
I don't know, any, any advice or any tips for anybody that's kind of looking to find their way into that world and, and start developing their chops and get into the film composition and, and that sort of world? Yeah, well, you know, it uh, it's one of those things where I think you you really want to be your own voice. Like, you want to try and find your own voice. I know when I started out uh, on this path, there was a lot of different mentors that I had. Uh, Dave Pensato, which is funny that you guys, I freaked out when I saw that you guys had him on the podcast a couple yeah, months ago. we did too. <laughs> uh, that was so, it was so fucking rad. I have a yeah. ritual where I clean my studio every Friday night, and I have his podcast in the background every friday night so that was hilarious so that you know there's people that you look for mentor wise um that you can try and pick nuggets out of and so for recording he was a huge help for that and then for recording or for like film stuff i would just listen to directors uh and you know eventually i would listen sometimes i'm listening to people that are scoring like i'll listen to a podcast with Trent Reznor or a podcast with Matt Quayle who did Mr. Robot uh, Mm. or you know just some of the composers that are doing stuff but a lot of times I'm trying to get into the mindset of like what the directors are thinking and I think that's if you can if you can establish a dialogue with a director or directors right away for emotional tone you're already you know um, you're already ahead of the curve so that's the biggest thing is like watch a lot of film and listen to music and what it's trying to say to that emotion with the story. Um, that's a, that's a huge thing. And then again, like I was talking earlier, I was throwing some shit at people that just write the epic orchestral stuff, you know, find your own voice. Like if I had just tried to do that stuff, um, which, you know, is, it's hard to do. Like, don't get me wrong. Like there's a, a very talented mindset that goes behind the people that are able to create that, but, oh yeah, know, I mean I Han, Hans dug- Zimmer's a genius, but there already right. exists a Hans Zimmer. Yeah. Right. 100%. Um is it is one of those things where you just got to try and be your own person and find out what matters to you cuz authenticity will always shine through in anything that you do. Man, that is that is excellent advice and I feel like that is yeah. the perfect well way for us to for us to wrap this up. So CJ, con- yeah, congratulations on all the success you're having and and good luck with with everything going on in the future. Is there somewhere online uh, that you can point people to kind of check out your stuff if they want to see more about you and what you got going on? Yeah, uh you know what? I have a SoundCloud. Um that's kind of what I just use as like um references for music that i do and just the tone so i guess soundcloud.com slash chris cj johnson um and then that's also my facebook if there's any people that are have more questions i'm totally down to help out anybody it's always good to talk with people and find out you know what's other people's passions and how i can help out yeah, awesome, love it, man. brother. Thank you so much for taking the time over the past couple of days and soldiering through and figuring out the computer yeah. shit. And um, you know, it's, it means a lot to us to have you on right now. So thanks again yeah, for, for joining up, us, man. Thank you, you so again, much man. for having me. I really appreciate it. You guys are doing an amazing podcast. I love it. Appreciate, oh, appreciate it, man. that. Appreciate love it. you guys.